It's Wednesday, April 21st. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. How's it going, fellas? It's going good. I'm surprised that you were able to maintain a straight face while we fish faced at you while you're doing that intro. Because <laughs> I wasn't looking at y'all seconds. <laughs> no. Now I am. <laughs> you know how I read the <laughs> you know how I read the teleprompter? <laughs> Who put a question oh mark gosh. on the teleprompter? We should okay. change the intro script mid-reading. Just a little. If yeah. we, if it updated fast yeah, enough, that would actually doesn't... be tons of fun, but Aaron's yeah. Aaron's OneNote updates like four minutes later. Yeah, I have the one from the Microsoft Store or whatever, and so yeah, it's the the API there is yeah, we, low we on keep the... addressing that that is the one from the Microsoft Store. Bewley's a, a big Microsoft Store guy, as we <laughs> recently <laughs> false. Okay, <laughs> this, day, this day in tech history. Uh, let me touch on the one from two days ago because, again, the slackers at thisdayintechhistory.com didn't have it published until like the end of the day on Monday the 19th. And we love stealing their content, but uh, they don't have it. still acceptable. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's For the that, name. Just not us. Marcel Brown. Okay, we need to reach out to Marcel Brown. That Who's is Marcel the person Brown? that seems to be posting all of these. Okay, Marcel. <gasps> we need to get Marcel on the show. That's Yeah, let's just have him on the show in the first five minutes every day. <laughs> I'm sure that's what he wants to do. Every Monday, Never. Wednesday, Friday. Okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to talk about the one from Monday, and then Russ is going to talk about the one from yesterday. But the one from Monday, April 19th, 1965, Electronics Magazine publishes an article by Gordon Moore, head of research and development for Fairchild Semiconductor and future co-founder of Intel on the future of semiconductor components. In the article, Moore predicts that transistor density on integrated circuits will double every 18 months for at least the next 10 years. This was in, do you want to take a guess when this was? Man, I, I'm not going to remember this history right, but wasn't the first integrated circuit developed by an engineer at TI? Is that, I am I remembering? I'm pretty sure it was. Could be. And that sounds right. And I think that was in the 60s. Yeah, so 1965. So I'm guessing, yeah, I was going to say, I was going to oh, say sorry. mid to late 60s for, for more because he would have caught on after that. So I was thinking early 60s for the TI guy and then and then later for that. But I, I would have guessed a little later in the 60s and been yeah. long. Well, dead you got wrong. the decade, so you nailed it. I'll just, I'll say that. I, I don't know that I would have guessed 65. Yeah. Would you I say rest? A lot. That's a lot closer than I would have gotten. What would you? I, say that's only because I remember a little of the history of the the TI engineer. Um, it's that one's an interesting one, right? Because when it comes to well, computers and basically anything that's silicon based, which is so much of our life now, this guy figured out how to build integrated circuits, and he basically got like a plaque and and a framed um, uh, what you call it? A uh, framed. What is the word that I am looking for for the invention? Ah, a patent. Yes. So he got a framed <laughs> patent in like a $20 award from TI. And like, that was it. A big high five and nothing else changed in his life financially. It was, it was incredibly wow. tiny. What impact it had to him for being such an absolutely momentous discovery or, yeah. or invention and patentable at that. So it's, uh, it, it stuck with me because that, that poor guy just got, you know, rolled. Well, let me finish this out here uh, real quick, but whoa, okay, it zoomed way in. All right, so this theory will eventually become to known as Moore's Law, and it still holds true to this day. 
So this was back in Which 1965. Right. Yeah. He said over the next probably 10 years, he said it's predicted that Moore's law will continue to be valid through 2020 or later. Right. He said that early. What? Well, no, he's yeah. So he said this, this, it was published in 1965. Sure. He said that it's going to continue along this path. And it okay. did. That's actually really interesting. And then it became too. known as Moore's law. Right. It right. But. True. I didn't realize that he predicted that it would still be relevant today because going all no, the way back the next to like 10 the, years, he said, oh, okay, he said okay. over the next 10 years, I thought years. you said 2021 because that's no, the thing is that, uh, that here I get it now. Okay. Like through 75. <laughs> yes. Understood. He said through I, you, 75, but right. then, yeah. And then it was, yeah. Okay. It, it's been pushed out. That's the thing is that. that over and over again, we have discovered ways to crush more transistors into smaller spaces. And, and so we've, we've maintained more law, Moore's law, uh, well past, I, I thought early predictions. It turns out, yes, but I just got confused the way you said it. Yeah, sorry. Maybe I didn't say it clearly, but yes. So back in like 1971 on this chart, 2,300 transistors was the transistor count, right? And then the chart goes <laughs> through like 2,000, like it's a little blurry, maybe 2006, like 2 billion transistors, right? And then we saw on some of the recent phones that came out, like 11 billion transistors. It's just insane. Yeah. It's It'd be unreal. curious to read some of the early, you know, predictions from him and understand, you know, why he was saying it. Cause I, I've got to assume that a big part of that comes to like the, the processes that are giving Intel grief right now and the way that we produce, especially CPU, GPU, transistor bundles, whatever you want to call them, the Silicon, right? Because mm-hmm. I know it's probably been two decades now that we started having to address quantum tunneling in in the circuitry of those chips because they're close enough on a small enough scale that the random aberrations that seem to defy classic physics started happening in silicon. So they had to work around it. And I got to assume in 65 that Moore was not even remotely aware of even those kinds of problems, sure. let alone thinking feasibly that we could produce something on such a tiny, t- tiny scale. So it'd be, it'd be kind of neat to what see if he where was, we, what if he was totally down. joking? What if it was a joke? Like, <laughs> he's just a sarcastic, like dry witted drunk. Like, hey guys, listen, going to be profound for a moment. Listen to this. <laughs> and then it became a law because it held true. All right. So let's move to the next one here. Russ, you got that one. Yeah, but I wanted to clarify something. Did you say, because yep. I, I don't see where you're saying it. Did you say 1970-something for when the transistor? I don't know, something. Started. No, no, I said 60-something for the integrated no, circuit. No, 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 not, not you, Aaron. Aaron oh, specifically yeah. stated. Oh, in the chart. So there's a transistor count chart next to, he's basically showing Moore's Law and the, the hmm. CPU, tra- or, yeah, Mar- Marcel posted a chart right next to it. CPU transistor counts from 71 to 2008, it looks like. Okay, so the reason why I wouldn't have gotten close is because my mind doesn't go past like the 70s when it comes to (laughs) CPUs. Yeah, that's why I said like, if I were to have guessed, my guess would have been around like when I start thinking about CPUs really Mm. becoming a big part of what we do. And when I think of that, I think of the 70s for for some reason. So it's it's actually nice to see that the chart seems to start in the 70s. I don't know that that necessarily (laughs) correlates to my line of thinking. Sure. Correct. I I think it makes sense, though, because early integrated circuits don't probably don't really represent what we think of as a CPU at all until the 70s when they really started to do what they do now. I didn't. uh, So when I thought about the Moore's, Moore's Law, I would not have said the 60s or 70s. I probably would have said the 80s because... 
I probably wouldn't have thought that somebody was actually, you know, an Oracle enough to see that this was actually going to happen and that maybe they were watching it happen and saying, yep, I think this is going to happen for the next, you know, good while, next several decades. And so I would probably maybe would have said the eighties, like, Hey, look how this is trending. And then would have, you know, had the gall to say, it's going to keep happening for the next, you know, several decades. So see, on the other hand, I, as someone born in the eighties and who as a human recognizes that everything in the universe revolves around him because humans are like that naturally, then I had to extrapolate that if I think it happened in the eighties, it probably started a couple decades earlier. Right. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Okay. Moving on. We're done with Moore's law. We are done with Moore's Law, uh, although it was very cool. So in uh, April 20th of 1998, something cool dealing with 1998 happened. During the Comdex Spring 98 and Windows World shows in Chicago, the first public demonstration of the soon-to-be-released Windows 98 uh, went on. But there was a problem, and it was... The most classic of problems. Blue train. Bill Gates apparently <laughs> plugged in a scanner into the computer using Windows 98 and it blue screened. Oh, what's a blue screen? <laughs> that's exciting. Oh, that's what a great way to kick off that that iconic, terrible, that's terrible. One of those classic ones. Wasn't there something? I thought there was something awesome. about like that with the iPhone. When the iPhone was announced, I thought there was something that happened. Maybe one I don't know. Anyway, there was but some I of those iconic moments caught in this one day. Yeah. But like <laughs> the like the '98 B sod, that's that's a pretty pretty epic internet moment or pretty epic moment, kind of right in the early internet days. And then I would probably say right up there is uh, Elon rolling out the uh, Cybertruck and then oh, throwing gosh. a rock at the window and the window smashes. It's rock proof. <laughs> it's bulletproof. Smash. Yeah. No, let's try the other window. Smash. He's like, what? I, I love two things about that. One, when they came back and they were like, it broke because we hit the side first when the window was down and then we hit the window. And that's why everything went sideways. And then I also love that it didn't seem to stop thousands and thousands of people ordering that hunk of junk anyways. Sorry, Tesla. I'm sure it's awesome, but it looks terrible. I hate it. I wanted to love it. I still want to love it. I, I, put, 100 bucks. it. I put 100 bucks on it for the ability to buy it. <sighs> You know what? I hope not, you get it's not it. Not my look. It, it's a refundable it. hundred dollars, right? That's impressive. So I'm just—I've got my spot in line. We'll see what happens. We'll see what. Yeah, happens. but by the time it comes for you to refund that money, that hundred dollars is going to be worth less than it was when you put it down. So That's you're true. losing money. That's true. I could Big have like time. a Lambo by now if I put it in Doge at the time. Probably. That's true. Accurate. All right. <laughs> That's true. All right. Let's uh, make a hard shift here. <laughs> uh, the whitest ever paint was created. Whoa! Did y'all see that? It reflects no, 98% I, of sunlight. Wow. Did, have you seen the the blackest ever black yes. paint stuff? That stuff with your is eyes. so cool. Yeah, your eyes are like searching for something, but nothing is is going into them. You know what I so mean? I, I learned recently um, in this vein that the blackest ever black, which has actually been around for a little while, ever, you know, I'm putting in quotes because to date, I guess is the way to say that. Um they released another one that's also IR black. So it, it absorbs uh, infrared light as well. Yeah. So when you throw on like infrared cameras or you're doing stuff like that, it, it messes with that system as well. Um, and there's some pretty cool videos out there. Oh, I never even thought about that. 
like because you have the visual spectrum, but it's right. even so black that it's out that it even covers outside the visual spectrum. That's and incredible. I think one of the what would it be neat about the the whitest white? Um, I, I can immediately think of some interesting use cases. Obviously, just trying to reflect light back to because I mean that's I wonder. I wonder how efficient the whitest white is relative to like a mirror, because mirrors should reflect 100% of light. But I wonder if they they don't. Yeah. Rel- I, I'm curious. I'm curious do. how close to a yeah. mirror that is. Right. That's actually. Well, that's I, a really I know good they question. don't, but I'm I'm wondering what 98% seems really high. Like, is a mirror 99 yeah. or is it 92? <laughs> well, let me let me read some of this to you. So, um, painting cool roofs, quote unquote, cool roofs, right? Uh, it, painting them white is an energy saving approach. Sure. Already been rolled out in some major cities. Commercially available white paints, they reflect between 80 and 90%. So just go buy the, the whitest white that you sure. can find right now, 80 and 90%. But that's, as that's in everything that we, increase. Yeah, exactly. And in everything that you do, you know this exponential kind of deal, right? But it's a big deal because every 1% of reflectance you get, it translates to an additional 10 watts per meter wow. squared, less heat from the sun. Yeah, cool. Adds up. Well, that, and that's the... Man, the one of the coolest videos I saw about the black is black, and of course that that's it's just a corollary. It's kind of the you know the opposite, it's the opposite side of it. But um, it's how hot that paint gets just in a room with lights on, because yeah. it's absorbing all of that light. It's literally just getting hotter and hotter by the second you put it in the sun. Like, ouch! Literally. <laughs> so it says if you were to use our paint to cover a roof area of about a thousand square feet, right? So maybe think of a. a roof on a home uh we estimate you could get a cooling power of 10 kilowatts that's more Holy powerful cow. than the central air conditioners used by most houses this is unbelievable it's very 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 reflective <laughs> so when when are they gonna integrate that partially into like composite shingles or should we all just yeah. move to two three weeks from now <laughs> there it is Shit. i didn't know if you were looking for an answer or <laughs> I just thought I would provide one Uh, sweeping (laughs) declaration. This conversation is stupid. And let me tell you why. Okay. (laughs) I hate my feelings. There are multiple forms of white or black (laughs) or red or whatever. Degrees. My wife and I have had this conversation before. We were looking for something for the house. Oh, you because you bought it. Dude, I feel your pain here. What, you, what kind of white? I'm like, there's no kind of white. It's white. Like that's there's vanilla. There's eggshell. There's yeah. Like, it, it drives me, especially as someone who is, uh, we'll just say, color challenged. There's white. Like <laughs> that's that's what exists. I, I like that there are paints to Russ's point called pure white in an attempt to help you get close to his very binary interpretation of white and which, black, which I agree with. By the way, I'm, I'm on Team Russ with, here. By the way. And and this is closer white. to actual pure white than any pure white we've ever had, which is just frustrating because now they're going to have to have pure pure white for your walls. Also, well, I want that in my walls. I'm putting pure Ultra white, white on my roof. Extreme white with the X, you know? Calling Who back needs in a rating okay. barrier when but you here's have the paint. deal. So check this out, though. This is interesting. Right? How how would you suspect this is made? They paint used processes. A, they, well, they used... I know, when you get down to the particles... When you get down to the particles... When you get down to the particles, how do they do this? Because sunlight is actually made up of different types of light, which itself has different size wavelengths. No, no. Different no, size particles. No. We're not about to go different types of light now. Like the sun is the sun. It has, it has sunlight. <laughs> it's <laughs> yellow. It the big it's yellow, yellow one's the sun. The big yellow. It's yellow light. It's warm. <laughs> it's warm light. So it says we Layers, use a very, high, a very high concentration of uh, the compound particles. 
And we use lots of different sizes of particles because sunlight has sure. different colors at the different wavelengths. How much each particle scatters, light depends on its size. So we deliberately use different particle sizes to scatter each wavelength. It's crazy. Kind of makes you know sense. Do they do sense. it in layers or do they just put it in a big bath and mix it up? Uh, I got to assume it's a big bath oh, because go. otherwise people wouldn't buy it. It's a bath. Sure. All right, so I found here's the name of the it's Vanta Black. That's the yeah. That's it, the okay, so it is the same. Black. Yes, but is it is is it Vanta's ultra, white? I don't. Or is know. it a different company's white? It it just oh oh Vanta is. Is the it the same company? company? No, oh, it's, oh, I don't it's know. It's called for sure. Vanta Black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember it. There's a museum trying to buy it already because they just want to put up a display of the whitest white next to the black. Next to the blackest black. black. I like it. Yeah. They need two rooms: the whitest white room and the blackest black room. Somebody did that. There's actually a really cool view, YouTube video of somebody building like a small shed basically and then painting it with Vanta black. And this is before the IR one, but um, it, it was, yeah, like, like just like a Why? box, a tiny room to okay. just to have a complete blackout room. Oh, on the inside. And, uh, okay. The inside. I think you said and, the outside. And, and when he was making it, he, uh, he actually had a light hanging in the middle so he could see what was going on inside. And it got more and more difficult to paint the room because it, the light was <laughs> becoming absorbs. less useful. And, and then he actually pulled the light and painted the ceiling. And then it just, it, like you couldn't even, the, the video version of it just didn't even make sense anymore because it wasn't How very interpretable. I mean, it was having cool. a light bulb hanging in the middle of the shed. You turn the light on and nothing happens, but the light is actually on. It's getting absorbed. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Vanta Black used in space telescopes, for example, because uh, they want to absorb the straight light. Yeah. Uh, as you, as you, so uh, coating of nanoscale That's carbon cool. tubes, uh, really? etc. Okay, cool. It's crazy. It's crazy. When you look at it on a screen, the black or the white, it's confusing because it just looks like there's no, like the pixels are just off or completely on. Anyway, whatever. Cool. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. What else we got? Who knows what flock is? Oh, I know what flock is. Like flock of seagulls, or you know, you know what's funny about flock? Okay, so so I know that there were some articles about this. This is uh, this is Google's attempt at um, I don't know changing the way that they track uh, your behavior for advertising, right? Yep. Um, and and I don't have the actual acronym in front of me, but F L O C. What does it stand for? It's the translation. Yeah, that's what I don't have in front of me. It's something about something, something cohorts. Birds of a feather fly together. <laughs> there it is. That's Nailed it. What it stands for, I'm pretty sure. So what, what's funny about what I read about that is that the industry, so other browser manufacturers. Federated learning sort of, of cohorts. Sorry. Cohorts. See, go. all I could remember was cohorts. Um, Federated learning of cohorts. Is, is that they're criticizing Google for trying to turn this into a bit of a false dichotomy that says. That Wait, turn what? Two, Back up. Sorry, I was trying to figure the, out what tracking, flock is. advertising tracking. Okay. Right, we already talked about that. Yeah. The so so well, we did the, they're being Googling. accused of well, I said it. That's what I meant. <laughs> All right, I'll go back and listen to it's, it. It's it's advertising tracking. It's tracking okay. your behavior to create targeted advertisements. And and okay. now they just do that by sharing all that data through cookies and stuff like that with everybody, right? So everybody gets to build their own database of you and then use it to to give you targeted advertisements. That's a really dumbed down version of how we do it today. And then Google's got Flock now, and they're they what they want is for your history to be self-contained in your browser, local to you, not shared with somebody. But then basically have an API at the front that provides the data that would be useful for targeted advertising without having the advertisers necessary or even available to all of that data to to know everything about you. 
So the attempt is to give them what they need to make a targeted ad, but without giving them the full history of your background, which I think is neat on the surface. But what's what's curious is that the criticism is, again, Google's making this false dichotomy out of it and saying, there, there's you're either going to do it the old way or you're going to do it the new way. You're going to do it in cookies effectively, or you're going to do it with Flock. And everyone else is like, or we could just stop tracking everybody for targeted advertising because yes. that's also totally valid. And, I uh, I've and talked so, to people, I think Russ is one that actually kind of appreciate mm-hmm. the targeted ads. Um, yep. I couldn't care less because I actually don't want to be advertised to. I have it's enough a, of a bigger, spending I buy everything. The bigger aspect <laughs> of it is, is like the targeted ads, like how much of a problem is it really? But I think that the major problem we have here is there's sort of this guise of privacy that, yeah. that they're putting on here, which is uh, patently false. For one right. and two, it also sort of empowers Google even more, and that's right. another, because this could that's only a big happen too. at Google's scale. And I had even so I thought for a moment that this was targeted just content coming my way because I had been researching browsers recently. I even put a Twitter poll out there, kind of seeing what everyone uses. By the way, it's Chrome. Always, <laughs> that's, that's what everyone uses. Yeah. Um, and what I found interesting was is this blew up way wider than the fact that I was just looking into this. Like every single browser provider, search engine provider has responded in some way, shape or form. They basically said, we're disabling this. Like we will not partake in this. So anyone who- Even even forks of Chrome, right? They're like, we're gonna have to pull the code out. They've already done it. They've already pulled it. They've pulled it from their site. They've pulled it from their search engines. Like they've pulled everything out because they're just not willing to to go down this path, which is which is pretty interesting. Uh, on the flip side of this, you know, I was sitting there watching, uh, I don't know, something on TV, and I have YouTube TV, so basically, it's everything's targeted towards me. Like I'm watching, whatever, Modern Family on repeat or something, and I get a an ad for League of Legends because I'm Russ, right? So it's like it's very targeted <laughs> towards me. But what's interesting was I got a <clears throat> an ad for. Grandscape, which is like in the colony, and I've never heard of it. And I immediately was like, oh my gosh, that looks incredible. I want to I mean, go to that place. Okay, Let so it works. It works a little bit. So, you so, found out about something. It, it, it works like, a lot. And bit. I was very happy that it showed up because this looks like a really cool place to take my daughter. So like yeah. that that type of stuff, I'm very fine You're with. Okay the with. struggle I have is whenever this is maybe used for nefarious needs. And, and it can't. And be. that's... Well, that's that's the constant issue. And this is where I it's similar. It sounds like we had a similar thought process here, Russ, because I, I don't really care for targeted ads per se, but I, I won't say that they're awful. What what's concerning about that is how many companies have so much of my data that they probably know more about my habits than I do. Sure. And this does seem like at least a decent half step in the direction of centralizing that data to my systems, which should reduce the blast radius of leaks, not that it's going to protect it, right? I guarantee you people will just start hitting the browser trying to pull that stuff out. But then it's kind of Google versus the world to get that data, as opposed to those players against every company in the world, because one of them is going to make a mistake every day, apparently, according to the news we read. Um, And that does seem like, again, it seems like a half step in the right direction, which is at least the Because the idea here, whether or not it plays out, is that if you centralize all of that history to your your asset, your browser, as opposed to making it 
you know, something that is sold directly to advertisers, and then you just give them an API to hit is that it's, they don't know it's you. Now, whether or not that's true, they can put together the stuff, but the, the idea is to make it harder to make something self-identifiable, but then still be able to make targeted ads against it. Like that, that does sound better than what we have now from a targeted ad perspective. Um, it's just funny how visceral the the total reaction was to centralizing this on Google system. And then I'm sure you read the R's article, right? Right at the end, it basically said, and none of this matters because Google owns 70% of the browser, a browser market, right? And the number one and two sites on the internet are Google and YouTube. YouTube. So yeah. Google's going to do just fine no matter how we play this out. But more importantly, Google gets to set their own standards. So Google uses Flock and Chrome. The world uses Flock. <laughs> there's, there's also a... Well, there's a... I guess, I don't know if it's a third angle or perspective to this, which is a lot of people who I've seen coming out, and maybe they have associations with the various publishers, but it's a lot of people mm. we're talking about, because this has turned into a conversation about ad tracking technology in general, right? That's yeah. it's, it's brought into the conversation. This is just because this is going to be something new. People are like, we're just going to stop this at the source. Like we're, we're not, we don't want to participate in this. The, the interesting thing that, that I find here is that now it's turned on to this broader conversation of tracking and advertising. And uh, some people are coming out of the woodshed and saying, what about all of the publishers? Like so much of our internet exists mm. and can exist because it is paid for like it or not, basically through Google and Facebook led advertising yeah, Those absolutely. Are the two to do it. And it's like, what are these publishers going to do? And then some people respond. They're like, well, I already paid for the New York times and the wall street journal. And they're like, that's great. The big publishers have been able to do this and command right. and, you know, can command a hundred dollars a year from you or whatever it costs. But what the about the millions or billions of other players out there that, that have to survive off of this? What, what do they well, do? That's and, the and I think for a lot of people. This comes back to a conversation we have all the time, which is we have to figure out an answer to that question because for every little guy that wants your data so it can try to give you a relevant article to keep your clicks coming in, there there are a thousand bad actors just trying to get you to click garbage and, and read something that's probably not even based in reality. This might be a step in the direction to prevent the, the latter, but unfortunately, it's going to kill the former too. And that's that's that is the crux, I think, of so many of the the issues that we have right now in the social media space, and and especially with media, just in general. Like being able to consume online has become quite a train wreck. And unless you're going and you're paying a trusted publishing body for their content, what you get online is going to be totally hit or miss on quality. And like I said, it's it's the little guys that have quality stuff that are trying to get a foothold and then the just mountains of garbage being generated to get your eyeballs. Where do you strike balance? And, and unfortunately, I think little guys are going to die as we try to figure this stuff out. Yeah, I don't know if anyone... I mean, actually, Aaron, you, you use Brave, right? Yes, on occasion. Yeah, I've got it in my uh, bar down here at the bottom. Uh, but yes, I, it's so, just out of habit... I, maybe I need to change my default browser over, but yeah, I use it occasionally as I remember. But my so I, I use Brave Chrome. on on all of my systems except for my work one because they won't let me install Brave. Apparently, it's <laughs> huh. too secure. Yeah, yeah, and you earn crypto uh, by using it. Yeah, it, it's true. You you do earn crypto by using it, and you they have a unique way. And I don't know that this is going to take over the internet. Actually, let me state this differently. I know that this isn't going to take over the internet. 
um, they have this unique way of uh, supporting places that you want to support by if you allow them to show you some specifically curated ads that they've sort of vetted, mm-hmm. they basically pay you in crypto and then you can then go pay uh, sites, like different sites that participate in this program. So if you want to go, say, use The Verge and The Verge participates in whatever Braves program is called. Yeah, they've you, got articles behind a paywall. Then yeah, yep. you can... You can tip them and 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 give them that. Now, the other way to do this, and this is what I do, for instance, like we use The Verge a lot for the show, or at least I do. So I actually don't block ads on The Verge. So like I disable ad blocking on The Verge mm-hmm. or sites that I use very, very regularly. I disable That's ad kind blocking of you. on those because th- this is the way they generate revenue. I mean, this is this is their business yeah. and I'm using their services. They deserve to to, to get that that revenue. And so I, I use it to sort of moderate the way I consume the internet. And I use Brave all the time. One of the main reasons I use Brave candidly is because it's a great Chromium browser that uses a significant amount less resources. Yes. Like that's, nice. that's actually why I, I primarily use it. And I don't have to install too many extensions to manage things because a lot of things they can do. Can you like, migrate your current session to Brave from Chrome? Because if you can't, I don't think I'm ever going to get off. Because you have 5,000 tabs. Yeah, that's 15, part of my 000, problem. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's uh, part of why I have it. I, don't I have to keep going back that. over here for these open tabs. I just add more memory to my PC if I have problems with Chrome. <laughs> every couple of weeks. <laughs> uh, my my session ends every day, so I couldn't tell you that. <laughs> nice. You can migrate everything else, whether or not it's your current session or not. I, I really couldn't tell you. I, I'll have to find out because I know you can back up your current session. You just have to what see a brave would uh, restore it. Don't don't. <laughs> right? Are we done with that? Do we? You want another topic? No, no, no. I don't. I don't want another topic. I think we're just going to end the show and never broadcast again. Never broadcast. All right, uh, signing off. I hope y'all enjoyed Tech Breakfast Podcast. I hope y'all like white paint and advertising because that's the last thing we're talking about. That's it. It's over. Everything's over. Uh, Facebook. We even talked about crypto a little today when you brought up the Brave thing. But that's it. That's it. We did. Over. Conversations over. Well, I had to. I had to mention Facebook real quick. Are we done for real? No, we don't have to be done. done. We. I have to be done soon, but we don't have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let me just throw this on you. Uh, Facebook. They are going to get into the audio space. Let that Oop. wreck your emotional mental state Wait, for like a second. Facebook. Earphones? Yeah, like what kind of audio space? No, no, no. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like are they going to change the way I perceive sound? Yes, exactly. They're going to do that. No, that uh, cool. think of Clubhouse. Think of Twitter spaces. Uh, think of podcasts, stuff like that. They are jumping it's in. a podcast. Yep, exactly. So <laughs> uh, you all know that I follow. What, which one is this one from? I have so many subscriptions here. The Hustle. Web. The Hustle. I oh, checked yeah. them out. Um, but it says in here in the hustle, uh, Zuck isn't just dipping his toe in the water though. Um, unsatisfied with owning a large majority of our screen time, Facebook messenger, WhatsApp, and Instagram, which each have a billion plus users. The social giant is going after our ears with three new products per the verge. Okay. So he's actually even, uh, the writer here uh, that I follow is, uh, is referencing the verge, but they're going with live audio rooms, which if you've ever been in like a Facebook, like comment section, yeah, if nope, that's don't what the that. live audio rooms turn into, it's going to be a knife fight. Uh, nope. It's ridiculous. So, no thanks. Like Facebook's uh, Clubhouse knockoff will be available this summer, and let's see. In the future, will also be integrated into Messenger. Great. See, here, have... I thought you were going to tell me that they were going to produce sound canceling earphones. To no, bro, I'm describing a future train wreck. 
dude. I, I actually went there too. I'm waiting I, for this screech. My immediate thought was a set of headphones that you had to log into with Facebook. Yes, yes. <laughs> I went the exact same was, place. That was right I where I went. I did. I thought I thought for sure headphones Aaron was going to say headphones with Oculus, and it's also going to have three airspeed HEPA filter masks to compete directly with Will I Am's what the super Dude, super head, awesome. super mask, which sold out in like 20 seconds. Yeah. And if it was if those things were like ISO certified to keep a nail gun from causing yes. damage to your ears while you listen to music, I'd have bought that crap for sure. Yeah. But they're not. Okay, so let me finish this. So that so the first one that they're doing is live audio rooms coming out this summer. Second one is sound bites, a feature that allows users to create, share, and remix short audio clips. Like TikTok for audio is how they're describing it. This content will end it. up in Facebook's news feed. So it's like uh, on Twitter, you can also just kind of create the audio uh, tweets. Um, so again, I'm not really excited about any of this. Uh, podcasts, <laughs> a new partnership with Spotify will allow people to stream podcasts directly from their news feeds. Uh-oh. So You're interested have, in that. We have the potential to maybe go that route. Although... I don't know. I've kind of pulled back from trying to advertise the podcast as much and just kind of let people naturally find it. Maybe just settle off of a period of grassroots. In so in space. 2055, yeah, exactly. we've got like 800 listeners. Oh, hush you. <laughs> oh, hush anyway, you. Uh, we're top 200 in like every country in the world. That's Be true. Happy. That makes yeah. me sad for podcasts. I mean, we're killing it. <laughs> we, I mean, we do have a significant li- listener base. We are fairly we love high you all. on several charts around the world in different countries. So that's exciting. Ireland was that, didn't it? Thailand. We had a couple ones that caught me off guard. Singapore, Australia. Yeah, heck um, yeah. There was uh, South Africa, I think, was in there. Spain. Was How in do we there. rate in China? China? We doing good in China? <gasps> are we doing? Are we doing good in China? <laughs> uh, yeah, we're perma banned. Okay, perma banned. <laughs> <laughs> Probably for bringing on bunks. Well, it's got us permabanned in China. Yeah. Yep. All right. I just thought y'all would want to hear about that train wreck before it happens. Anything else? Or y'all want to shut this sucker down? Hold on. Man. Let me see. What do we have okay. here? I guess uh, the drop. Microsoft's cloud gaming stuff uh, released in beta. Oh, on yeah. And just Man, I want to know more about web that. Browsers. Uh, I haven't actually uh, tested. Well, that's not true. I actually have tested the original version of this, which ran on Android only. Uh, and it ran okay. Um, Wait, they, say it again. Have, Microsoft Cloud Gaming. Yeah, Microsoft's. Mm-hmm. If you have, if you subscribe to Microsoft's, it's called like Game Pass Ultimate. It's a, it's an elaborate name. Xbox, Xbox X, 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 X Series, X, Y, X Series, X, uh, Y Ultimate Game Pass. If you if you have that, not necessarily the hardware, just the the Game Pass subscription, you can then also leverage their cloud gaming service, which is like Stadia oh. or Nvidia whatever I, I theirs is called actually have picked that that specific pass up on black friday or something i would try this out yeah you you should have access to this and so it's actually the most valuable sort of subscription service there is just from the standpoint of they give you hundreds of games and you I was can gonna say that them by streaming or you can use them that's on impressive your pc your xbox, or you right? can use them yeah. on your xbox you can what? use them almost anywhere and so now they have the streaming service, which traditionally ran at like 720p, and it really didn't run all that well. They they literally ran this off of like Xboxes sitting in Azure data centers. Like that's Oof. the way they ran this service. But they've yeah. been working on improving and, and upgrading this. I think they added 1080p recently. And so I haven't tested it lately, but I imagine it's getting quite a bit better. I mean, I still use Stadia with decent regularity just for kind of playing uh, games when I normally 
wouldn't be able to like where, wherever I am at that time, like playing Tiger Woods or something. But it's a, it's a big thing to be releasing in on more platforms. Russ, do you know anything about how these cloud gaming companies are potentially, or maybe already are distributing these workloads to more remote, more remote locations rather than core data centers, maybe edge data centers to get closer to the action? Yeah, Google's in particular, and there's some articles on this. They they are using edge locations, uh, oftentimes sort of within their you know partner provider network, wherever they have mm-hmm. basically little ping areas for them to be able to hit their other services. So they have content delivery networks. Yep. They just have these edge locations that you connect to. So I'm in, you know, North DFW, and they have one. I think there's actually one in Oklahoma, and there's one in Dallas, and then I could connect to really either one of those, depending on which one has the best latency very specifically latency is the key for testing this and that's sort of how they do it so they just have pops all over the place that they have access to the service to to lower your latency and you know in the case of the you know mega cloud providers uh, i'd imagine they have a pretty big advantage in the space but when i say that nvidia actually probably has the best performing service out of all of them Hmm. while nvidia is obviously a massive company financially they are not a huge cloud data center provider like yeah Amazon or Azure or someone like that. Cool. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Works well. Uh, last one, and then we'll go, right? Uh, EU proposes strict AI rules banning, quote, high-risk oh, uses of AI, such as mass Why you got to bring this up with right non- at the end? I know. I'm sorry. With non-compliant companies find up to 6% Dude, of annual global revenues. Oof. When you yeah, think so, about so something like an Amazon... That's strong, dude. They just make a ton of money off of a much bigger number where it's like they have 3% yeah. margin. You want to find this them 6%? Yeah, that's I, I think I, I think this is a mistake for a couple of reasons. One, holy cow, is that a massive fine? So I mean, good on them for putting some teeth in it, assuming that they can actually chase this down the rabbit hole. But yeah. yeah, exactly. Is the problem is good luck enforcing it, as always. And then two, um, I think. I think there's there's a really good conversation to be had about how this might be a huge mistake a little too early in the early AI sort of yeah, field because hampered. because they they yeah. may hamper good actors from doing things you don't want them to do but this is this will do nothing to stop evil corp from doing evil corp things right like it's you you may unintentionally slow yourself down substantially in an attempt to curb bad behavior early. But if you've gone so far as to make it law to say, oh man, we think this stuff is terrible. It means that it's already out there. (laughs) And if it's already out there, somebody's going to use it, whether it's illegal or not. So you got to be really careful with this kind of regulation, in my opinion. Yeah. So some of the little, uh, the aspects of this, uh, I'm just reading this off of a tweet from Kate Crawford, Dr. Kate Crawford, um, at Kate Crawford on Twitter, but she says the EU commission's final proposal for an AI act is here. Some examples, AI systems are prohibited if they violate human rights, which is very vague, uh, do general social scoring for authorities, which is weird and confusing. What is that? General social scoring? Haven't you seen Black Mirror? Yeah, well, I have, but that who's one. actually doing what that? About who's that? doing well, that? China. China does that. Oh, that's a fact. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so since since it's but, already being done, they're telling yeah. other people. That's right. Don't be like them. That's a good point. That's a good <laughs> point. I, I had totally forgot, and we talked about that on the show where they were using video analytics to assess like the structure of someone's face, 
to then tie it back to the DNA of whether or not oh, they were a certain people group that they could then go and. and oh, gee, and I wonder why that would be right. useful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Genocide, genocide. is the answer. Yeah, genocide. Yeah. yeah. That's awful. Uh, and then it is. And then uh, use live remote biometrics in public for policing. Nope. So, nope. Nope. Yeah. Nope. 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 Nope, yeah, nope, nope, there's nope, there's nope. a lot of concerns. In fact, uh, myself and Bunks were going back and forth. I think on this, ex- this specific issue. Um, and and one thing that I had brought up is, so ever since he was last on the show, uh, I've sort of become obsessed with looking into the the future of AI powers. Um, he number one, that to you. Point to he take. is so yes, excited about it. He, he knows is so much. Um, I will tell you. Uh, to say that I'm even a little paranoid about China's ability to surpass us here. And I, when I say surpass us, I mean, yes. it's already been yeah. done. Blow us um, out of the water and continue is, to stay advanced. Is at, at very high levels right now. And I, I, it's amazing what it'll take for us to catch up. And I Dude. believe it's necessary for us to. I so when so I think of, of this problem, I love the idea behind this. Because I, I believe that there's an element of controlling at least at the beginning, the ethical use of AI as we start to get hold of this. Yeah. The problem with this is, is that the natural balance of growing and learning and improving AI requires broad use of it. You need right. large and large amounts of data in order to be able to train and improve and create different types of models for AI. There is one country in the world that controls soup to nuts every single thing that goes on within the country and they make a very concerted effort at certain things and cuba? by doing that north korea it, yeah it's it's cuba Iran? for sure they're our biggest problem um <laughs> it, it it is china and china. and it's Always china it's interesting from the standpoint of Eritrea. if we in the West start taking these more conservative measures towards it, which probably on the surface seem like the right thing to do, and, and maybe in many respects it is the right thing to do, it will potentially, I say potentially because I, I don't know the ins and outs of it, and I have not finished that 756-page document, nor yeah, the additional 50 that. pages that Bunks gave me on this particular topic. Here's to your homework, it. Russ. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the... The implications here are if we start taking this approach, how are we ever going to catch up? Because we aren't going to be as aggressive in leveraging this technology in a way that will inherently allow it to grow because it is an organically grown type of system right. approach. So that's where this becomes strange or difficult to understand. It's like, yeah, this makes sense in a vacuum or maybe at the beginning of something. Like, what do we usually do whenever we want to solve an initial problem? We centralize the solution to the problem, but then how do we improve it over time or fix the problems that come from that? We decentralize it. We expand it out quickly. China right. is already expanding this stuff out very very quickly with right. the, their own yeah. borders Man. So that's where my concern is yeah, yeah. no and, and i'm with you and that's kind of where the the comment that i made about you have to be really careful with this kind of regulation because it will be a setback in in your geographic location right it'll be setback for, for your country and i've had this conversation a few times lately uh because there's massive political context to how um you know i'll, I'll say any current or future superpower is going to need to have a very coherent and powerful AI strategy if they want to continue to be an economic powerhouse globally going forward. And I, and I believe that statement to be a hard stop. You are paying attention to the wrong things if you aren't thinking about this. And 
what's been curious is I, I've been having this conversation with, you know, like my parents and their generation and, and the ones that are sort of interested in geo geopolitics and interested in how the U S sort of maintains its supremacy, because most of the people I'm having this conversation with are in the U S um, they, they don't even recognize or understand even a little bit about what it means when we talk about machine learning and artificial intelligence and how critical and integrated it is into all of the things that we do that make us today a, a an economic powerhouse, right? They're still very much caught up in like the way we used to do this. And, and I'm not an expert in this space, but I see a lot of the same things happening. It's energy production, which will continue to be relevant but arguably not as relevant as AIML going forward. Um, love to have that debate, by the way. And then, and then because of energy production, you look at energy production supply chain. So we still have this hyper-focus on things like oil and oil reserves and production of biodiesel and that sort of stuff, right? Because energy is, is obviously critical, as is water. Water is another absolutely critical entity that having control of is going to matter in the next five decades in a bigger way than it already does now. But when it comes to dominating the global economic landscape, AIML is the one thing that you should be paying attention to with great care. Agreed. Because if you want Amazon and Apple and Google and Alphabet, and all of the other major tech players that literally dominate the global economic market right now to continue dominating that market, they have to win here. They have to. Or it will be the equivalent out of somewhere else. Yeah. And so, something that's interesting to note, and we, we can maybe close on, on these thoughts, are uh, when you look at like Silicon Valley, which is the, the root of, of our long-term technological dominance. I mean, we we have dominated technologically for a very long time. And, and China has recently in the last five, 10 years, ever since that that AI machine that Google created beat the world Go champion, that was their, oh, yeah. that was their that still... Sputnik moment. Yeah. Like the moment that happened, China started focusing on AI. Literally, right. they shifted everything within weeks. This is actually in in, a, in that book that I think Tyler you picked up that that Bunks had recommended. Um, the it's like written by a Chinese uh, AI expert, and so they they start talking about that. The thing I learned in that in the very early goings of this book is that the the Silicon Valley of China, if you will, basically laughs at the the, I guess, work conditions or competitive environment of the traditional, of, of, of the U.S. Silicon Valley. Meaning when people think about how competitive it is in Silicon Valley, the people in China think it's not even competitive at all. Like the, wow. the things that they work on there between not just their work ethic and, and how difficult it is to survive in that space, but they are, it's socially acceptable to copy. Like, you know, whenever we talk about China yeah, as someone right, who that's a good point. copies things that we do and we're like, that's horrible. In their mind, it's not even right. from each other. So this they'll is be, how you keep moving forward. They actually assume it will happen. They they say to themselves, "Hey, I'm going to create this idea. Within 30 minutes of this idea being published, <laughs> my expectation is, is that every company on the block is doing the same thing, and that is okay." Yeah, that's them. wild. And so Absolutely think about wild. that type of environment where you are surviving off of just raw scrappiness on top of people literally taking your ideas. And, and that's the type of competitor 
that we are dealing with where that is a socially acceptable type of competitive behavior. And so it's just a, it's a dramatic difference in cultural ways of dealing with the problem. And I believe they have an edge because of that in, in, the, in many respects. There's, there's things that I'm certain we have advantages in too, but I think they're few and far between candidly. So that's, it's fascinating to look into and to, I guess you could say, watch this space. Whenever you think, of yeah, different no, for sure. But I, but I think it's more important than just watch this space. Like, go educate yourself. If if you care about how your lifestyle is today and and what that might look like for your kids and grandkids, like you need to understand this. And and at some point, you're probably going to have to start making decisions politically around whether or not the people that you're putting in office understand this. Because if they don't, we're going to continue to to have struggles here. I mean, I, I feel very strongly about this. Like we we are quite simply not paying attention to the right things right now. Yeah, with with that in mind, my personal opinion, um, and I haven't read the entire bill, but whether you're Republican or Democrat or whatever else, you probably need to support Biden's infrastructure plan, even though only a certain amount of it goes to what we call traditional infrastructure. Right. So much of it is focused on the from what I've read, the baselining of our ability to focus on research and development and improve in these areas. And, and yeah, the funding has to come from somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And, and yep. so it's and it's unfortunate yep. that we have to fund these things, but yeah. it is New York, the way we work. New York, New York is now um and I know we gotta shut this down. I know y'all gotta go. Um but they're they're the first state to require ISPs to provide a fifteen dollar a month uh broadband option. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and access to information, of course, is another huge part of this. But yeah, it's uh, no, seriously, educate yourself on on why this stuff matters, because it matters a lot more than than you think it does. If if you think M- AIML is just some new fad, it, it's it, it is fundamental to how almost everything is going to be done going forward, um, because anywhere it can be used, it will be used anywhere it is used will be more advanced than where it's not. And that has ramifications that are far and wide. So like I said, educate yourself, get to understand it at least a little bit, and then recognize how bloody important it is. And on that note, that brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. Thank you all for joining us. We had a blast talking about all this fun stuff. We hope you enjoyed it as well. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thanks for sharing with your friends. And we will talk to you on Friday. Have a great middle of the week. Bye-bye. Later.